Ever feel like you've got to get your should together? Is your should about to hit the fan? Have you been sitting in your shoulds for most of your life wondering if you could be more, see more, or do more? Welcome to Shut the Should Up with Candace Payne and Jenny Randall. We're both authors and speakers who want to stomp out your flaming bag of should. With a whole lot of faith, together, let's sort through the pain, purpose, and promise to find freedom in the things we tell ourselves we should and should not do. Because there's so much more in you. Hey, welcome to Shut the Should Up. Jenny Randall here with my co-host for this mini series, Braden Brookshire. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how's he gonna how's he gonna I know I, I was debating this? that. It just came out. It just came it, out like Well, I was thinking when when our show opener was going on, I was like, Man, I miss Candace. And I was like, maybe Braden oh, will do shucks. a monologue or a song because mm. they're both theater kids. And I just felt like that it was time. Okay. Well, it wasn't time, apparently. (laughs) Didn't get the memo. (laughs) You're like, nope, definitely not time for that. All right. We have more important things to do. We're in the middle of our mini series called Flash Theology, which is actually around our newest book that Braden and I co-wrote. That's why he's here. Flash Theology. A visual guide to knowing and enjoying God more. Can you believe it comes out tomorrow officially? Um, wow. Yes and no, because it's been such a long time coming. So yes, but no, it's like crazy. And it like looks so beautiful. The print book, nothing beats how it looks. It's so, so it's a gorgeous book. And the only thing prettier than how it looks is the content and how it just stirs up your affection. I was like, I don't know about that, but I'm just kidding. Yeah, that too. You're, you're, you're very pretty, Jenny. So there we go. Yeah. Oh, sure. Well, we will, yeah. I did uh, whatever. Anyways, <laughs> I was going to say how somewhere. awkward I made it the first episode when I said we were related by marriage. And that oh, that was, was great. Was question we mark. should relive that experience again. We should again. not relive that experience. We are related. We both married into the Randall family, our sibling. Nope, our spouses, <laughs> our siblings. <laughs> yeah, Gosh. we can't get this right. Because this, this is a buzzer. I'm like sweating. Anyways, we're here to celebrate Flash Theology with you guys. Coming out tomorrow, you can buy it and claim. If you buy it today, you can claim some goodies on our website at flashtheology.com. We have pre-order prizes for anybody that orders it. Today's the last day for listening on the Monday that we release this episode. If not, yep. pick it up. It's it's wonderful. But so yes, so last week we talked about how God is the author of our story, the main character and what that actually means. And then before that, we kicked off the series describing what theology is, which is the study of God. And as we study our Bible, we are actually theologians. Everyone's a theologian that is leaning into uh, the Bible and trying to figure out who God is and what that means in their lives. Mm -hmm. And then today, one of my favorite topics, we are going to be talking about what it means when we say God is dwelling. Mm. That's a good word there, dwelling. Like, I think it's one it's easy to take for granted what that even means. Yeah. I mean, we throw it around all the time, but like, have you actually, have we actually like dissected and digested it? So this is actually, if you have our book, this is from chapter five and it's a very visual chapter, which we're excited about chapter five. And we were talking about this before we started recording. and, And I believe, this connects to us 
as those who are Christ followers, because I believe our biggest uh, pain point or our biggest concern around like, why does this matter that God is dwelling is that often we are so distracted with the circumstances of life. We're so distracted with our to-do list. We're so distracted by social media. We're so distracted living, doing all the things that God has entrusted us with that we actually uh, forget or are attentive to the fact that God is dwelling. And what does that actually mean? And how do we how do we apply that concept, that theological concept into our lives so we can live with him, right? Yeah, no, that, and it's a super practical concept because what you're unpacking there is like the fact that this affects everyday life, quite literally everyday life. Yeah. Have you ever seen that meme that's like, God speaks to women when he, they're doing the dishes or it's so I totally oh much- gosh I have not seen this meme but I oh man I can have fun with this one God it's speaks so- to women while they're doing the dishes man so are women supposed to cook dinner and do the dishes I, are they taking out the trash too gosh like what no that's the best job no I totally butchered General. I totally butchered the delivery of that but if you no, are that was a, lady, a great delivery. <laughs> I loved it I was like because it so took me off guard I had no idea I did not expect that. God speaks to women when they're doing the dishes. No, Quote of the no. day. <laughs> All right. And God only talks to men. Well, they, no, While no, they I, I wasn't trying to be, I wasn't trying to say all women do the dishes and that's only when the Lord will meet you. But the heart behind it, oh, if you've seen heart. the okay. meme, if you've seen the meme, you know, you understand where we're headed. The heart behind it is that. <laughs> In the practical tasks of the day, God will meet you in those tasks if you're like aware uh, that he is dwelling within, right? Like that's the heart behind it. That's so much better. So you should do the dishes. (laughs) This is called shut the shit up. I should do the dishes. No, I'm pretty decent at doing the dishes, but okay. You took that a whole different direction. You You redeemed that meme. Oh man. (laughs) No. uh, Can I comment on that real quick? Yeah. Two things. I love that now. <laughs> so much better. Yeah. Oh man. And I love that it started out as humorous, but actually, like you said, there's like a deep truth right there. First of all, uh, two things real quick. Um, number one, I love this as an example of gratitude, by the way, that uh, if you have, be thankful that you even have dishes to do, that shows oh. how much provision you have in your life. The fact that you have dishes to do in a full sink means, man, you had options to eat, you ate, you had enough food to eat. Like, that's great. So be grateful that you have dirty dishes to do. That's all. Uh, second of wow. all, yeah, sorry to take it there. I won't regret the dishwashing anymore. Yeah, I know. Like, in other words, I know we complain and I do it too. Okay, I'm right there with you. We complain about having to do dishes, but can we also reframe that as just another hallmark of God's faithfulness in our lives, his provision? Uh, yeah. we're grateful for that. So sorry, first of all. Second of all, oh my <laughs> gosh, maybe I'm a woman because no, okay. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> no, no, no. We're no. entering uh, into a new topic no, no, of no. theological anyway, discussion. Your meme here. said God <laughs> speaks to women while they're doing the dishes. Okay, God speaks to me when I'm doing the dishes. So I relate to women apparently in that meme. No, uh whether no, men a do man... dishes too. My husband does the dishes often and I am okay. very grateful. Yeah. Whether you're a man or a woman though, I agree. Like the you just unpacked that really well. And the most ordinary circumstance and sometimes the routine chores the chores we don't even like doing isn't it cool that god meets us in the midst of those chores that we'd rather be doing something else whether it is dishes or something like that i love that because it's so true (laughs) he really does yeah so let let's unpack this whole 
God's presence dwells. So in, in our book, we're actually referencing our book. There's this beautiful chart that says the place God's presence dwells. Mm -hmm. And as uh, we've studied the Bible, there are multiple different places his presence dwells. And even, even within that conversation, we we're going to unpack how humans closeness was to God's manifest presence. So mm-hmm. let's start. Um, Brandon, do you actually have the book open or am oh, I? Oh yeah, no, I have it here. Yeah. Oh, great. So let's start with Genesis 1-2, original creation. Why don't you yes. unpack that for us? So this is the beginning of the story. You should actually take notes. This is going to be a fun episode because we think it's going to really impact your theological truths of how God hangs out with us, to put it lightly. I so original how creation. God hangs out with us. That's great. <laughs> Lead us there, Brayden. Hanging out. Uh, so how God chose to hang out in the beginning. Uh, no. Um, <laughs> so no, most of us know that Genesis chapters one through two tell the creation story. You know, like, and he created light from darkness and it was good. He created man and it was good. All of that. Now, I want to draw your attention to something really, really specific. The word choice of good is very intentional. Because here's the thing. The original creation was very good, but it was not perfect. And this is a huge distinction right here because mm-hmm. I often hear people when they talk about Eden, they over romanticize Eden because yes, you can do like, that. Let's go back to we're I can't wait to go back to Eden. I can't wait to go back to Eden. You know, we're not that. going backwards, folks. We're not going backwards. <laughs> Eden. Yes. Okay. If we're to put like a little chart and we have this in chapter one of our book, but like Eden was certainly better than the fall in the time periods after the fall but it doesn't mean it was perfect. Like, where did we get this idea that Eden is perfect? Let's talk about a few things that made Eden not perfect. Okay, first of all, there's a serpent there. And not just a serpent as in Ooh. a snake that crawls on the ground, a I'm serpent as in the, the enemy, the spiritual enemy of our lives who's trying to deceive us and take us down was there. And he successfully uh, deceived Eve and Adam into sinning. And so that's not ideal, the fact that there's this, enemy there but not just that but that death was even an option in looming over them when god gave him that command not to eat of the forbidden tree uh that very much showed that eden was not some static state it was not some place that it was gonna stay the way it was forever and ever eden was this place of hostility and not neutrality it was a war zone not this like perfect paradise Mm. so that's the thing although it was edenic and it was a garden and it was this Actually, God's first temple, by the way. Uh, yeah. You what said a big word. What word? Uh, I don't even know. Edemic? Edemic? Yeah. Edemic? Oh, Eden-like. Basically, like, very... So when we picture Eden... Oh, you wow. Know, you know, full of trees. You know, it, yeah. So the Bible's not like... Yeah. I mean, it was a garden. You know, like a beautiful, lush garden. Probably... I mean, I would imagine way more lush than anything we can probably even picture. Because... Yeah. Before the fall. But my point in bringing all this up is that Eden wasn't perfect. It had, I'm going to say a big word, so don't buzz me, and then I'm going to unpack it. It had okay. eschatological potential. Okay. Ooh. So what's that mean? Esch- eschatological. Wait, wait. Eschatological. Eschatological right? potential. Eschatological. So eschatological is, is This is how way. I read our audiobook. Eschatological. They'd be like, nope, say it again. Nope, your New York came out. Say it again. Yeah. Nope, slow it down. Eschatological. Nailed it. Eden had eschatological potential what does that mean it had so eschatological has to do with eschatology which has to do with last or ultimate things so let me break it down even more 
Eden was not the new creation. And new creation is not just a repeat of Eden. It's so much more. In the new creation, we, you and me, all those who believe in Jesus, become more than Adam and Eve ever, ever were. And the creation itself becomes even more than Eden ever was. So we're, and there's so much more that could be said about this, but uh, to, yeah. to break down some basic things, when we talk about creation, we're not talking about everything was perfect and then we all ruined it. And we're just trying to get back to that because then wait a second, won't we just return to a place that we might ruin everything? Like we have to picture Adam and Eve. That's yes, good, they were adults, but they were immature. They didn't, they, it's not that they were never allowed to eat of the tree of knowledge and good and evil and know what the difference of knowledge and good and evil was. It's that they weren't ready for that. They had to be discipled into it. And they did not trust God. They didn't trust the story. And so they failed that. And so that's why they didn't get a chance to eat from the tree of life. And that's what it says in Genesis chapter three, the tree of life was put off limits. When is the next time you see the tree of life in the new creation? When we Ooh. actually get eternal life and immortality. Oh, obviously there's so much there that could lend itself. But when we talk about creation, yeah. we talk about a, this is a more helpful way to land this part of it. We talk about a God who created us in the midst of the cosmic construction site. So in other words, God didn't make everything perfect and then create us and we mess it up. God made us in the midst of it and said, Hey, humans who are made in my image, who I want to have an eternal relationship with, I want you to be part of taking this original and really good blueprint and let's take it to its highest potential. But you have the choice. You can also be the very ruin of this creation. But either way, whether you know it or not, I'm still the king. I'm still the author. I will make it all good, even if we have to go through some detours, aka sin and rebellion. Yeah. Well, even, even in that thought, after they rebelled and hid after eating the fruit, God comes to them mm -hmm. and he covers them. But then not only that, he actually separates them from the temptation. So now yes. they're, he, he cares for them by separating them from the very thing that was harming them. And this leads to why the tabernacle, which is the next part um, yeah. of where God dwells. So God dwells in original creation, <clears throat> Woo, sorry about that. Um, and then he he dwells. We see in Exodus 25, 8, God is dwelling within the tabernacle. But to take it back a step within original creation, how close was God's manifest presence to humans? Uh, I I cannot describe it other than his presence was close, but yet it was it wasn't fully, fully I agree there yeah. like with humanity is that how would you word that you know it, it is a tough one to word i don't know if even i have good language for it but you're, you're spot on that part of the distinction between original creation and new creation is that god's presence wasn't fully manifest in the same way that we will be face to face with god a privilege that i think in the way that described in the new creation was not afforded to adam and eve they did have a closeness yeah. to god but it isn't the same as it will be because also the relational roles with god shift and change god was the creator and no doubt had some intimacy with them but if you think about it it's the last thing i'll say about this is uh adam and eve the first eden was made for adam and his bride the last eden will be made for Christ and his bride. There's an eschatological, Ooh. there's an end goal changed, even marriage itself. The original creation marriage is good. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just not the final thing. 
And so yeah. Adam and Eve in their marriage was part of how they're going to take the blueprint to the final way God always intended things. And we will get there. And that final intention of things is for God himself through the person of Jesus to marry his bride, his redeemed believers. And so there's a, that's a drastic difference. That's why we're not returning to Eden. We're not returning to a place like that. We're going to a place we've never been in terms of even the relational roles with God is another way that there's discontinuity between the original and the new creation. Mm. I'm just over here thinking if, wondering if Eve did the dishes. Okay, so. <laughs> yeah, so tabernacle. Tabernacle. Um, yeah. Um, so this is in the Old Testament mm. um, found in Exodus and throughout. God dwelt with his priest in a confined physical location yes. with the purpose of restoring his presence on earth. So priests would go, they would meet with God in the tabernacle, and then they would mediate his presence to the people. So he was, a, the priests were the mediators of God's presence and they would bring him to the people. Uh, do you want to add anything to that? It, oh, obviously, cool. humans' closeness to God's manifest presence was was not, maybe, I don't know, what would we say, a third a third of the closeness? I don't know how to quantify <laughs> I mean, it. It just was so limited. I mean, it, so it, limited, yeah. And there was lots of veils. Quite literally, there was a veil. But no, even in the spiritual mm -hmm. dimensions of it, there were so many veils in between that because God's presence if not in perfect relationship, is dangerous. God's right. presence is either the best thing for us or the most dangerous thing to us. And so that's why it, there was protective barriers to that, not because God wanted to hide from us, but because God knew that in that fallen state, we weren't ready for his manifest presence. And so he's taking yeah. us a journey toward manifest presence to his unveiled perfect presence, but we're not there yet. And the tabernacle is not either. But I want to just add one thing is that if you read the details of the tabernacle and what's in there, and you could do your own study on this, but it recapitulates, it repeats a lot of images that were in Eden. In other words, this is their mm -hmm. way of saying, okay, what was started at Eden, but ruined because of the fall, it's going to take a different shape right now. But we're going to get the creation project back on track. And this is how we're going to help keep going back on track. And two, there were religious laws that were established to um, that we'll see echoed in the life of Jesus, too, which I think right. is important, which is a whole like we could have wrote a whole 700 page manifesto on those comparisons. So we urge you if somebody wants to study this, Braden, where should they start? Uh, on like specifically tabernacle or the temple presence of God. Oh, hmm. Exodus? Um, GK Beale has a book. Oh, called, resources. Let's see here. I think it's called, <laughs> I think it's called God dwells among us. I think. All right. If you give me five, 10 seconds. I five can or 10. It. Let's time them folks. One, two, Three. He's aggressively looking. looking. No. Four, five, six. I'm gonna buzz you. Seven. Okay. Eight, yeah, you, you can nine, buzz me. Ten. Dang it. I know I have it somewhere. Whether it's at here, I'm still reorganizing my office. I have another bookshelf coming in and all of that. But G.K. Beale has a book on God's temple presence, and it's really good and still breaks down the Old Testament parts. Uh, I also have a forthcoming. Is book it Mitchell that... Mitchell Beale? No. God dwells among us. G.K. Beale. Mitchell well, I mean, Kim, G.K. Beale, God Dwells Among Us. Yeah, oh, yeah, it is. You got the title right. God Dwells Among Us. Cool. Okay, great. great well, that's one resource. Another one is awesome. I kind of chat a little bit about it in an upcoming book I have with Fontes Press called A Resurrected Cosmos. But yeah, nice. that's coming out later. So don't worry about that right now. Okay. And we've, we've expanded, I mean, we've expanded on this throughout Flash Theology as well. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. But so I, I just think the tabernacle 
um, and the temple, like where God's presence would reside. I think that's fascinating because mm-hmm. it leads us and it it's really a marker um, for what is to come. So yeah. we see uh, the place God's presence dwells. So now he he's dwelled in original creation, the tabernacle, and now we get to Jesus. Brayden, unpack that for us. I mean, when John in his gospel talks about Jesus coming in John chapter one, verse 14, I'm doing this from memory. So hopefully I got all this correct, but like it says that the word dwelled among us. Now that word for dwelled comes from the Greek verb skenao. And that's cool because it's actually the tabernacle language. I'm going to unpack it, Jenny. I know, but everyone (laughs) was like, why isn't she buzzing him right now? So I felt it in my bones. (laughs) Say it with me, Jenny. Skenao. Oh, you know, I could not say that when I read the audio book. Skenao. Brayden had to text me like phonetically, like say it like this. Skenato. So skenato. Not not. Skenato. Oh, see? (laughs) It's all good. You know the concept. So yeah, uh, I love the, the concept. Exactly. And this is what you're alluding to, Jenny. And you have all this down in you too. But like the New Testament picks up on tabernacle language and applies it to Jesus to basically say Jesus tabernacled among us. He became the embodiment of the tabernacle temple presence of God among us. I love that. And we see too, if if we're trying to, again, quantify humans' closeness to God's manifest presence with Jesus, uh, we see literally in car- like Jesus, human Jesus, also God was yeah. dwelling with the people on earth. So he, he was close, but was he with everybody? No, and that's, and that's a great exactly. distinction. He was yeah. still limited to a specific locale, wherever Jesus was. And that's why when he would retreat, people wanted to know, where is he? Where is he? I want to come to yeah. him because he is God incarnate, but he also was only uh, in one particular place at a time while he was walking among us on earth. Yes. And then we have that same word dwelt, uh, the place God's presence dwells. We see that through the power of the Holy Spirit, yes. God indwells his redeemed Tell us about that, Jenny. people. So Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 3.16, uh, God's presence dwells within his people. And then we, his followers, become the temple presence of God. And further, we expand uh, God's presence wherever we go. So now it's like this multiplication. We are, we, let me make this distinction. We are not God. Okay. So don't imagine like some people are like, Oh, we're little, little gods running around. Um, I hate that. And I'll buzz it all day long, <laughs> but as follow, we are followers of Christ. Therefore we have the empower the empowerment of the Holy spirit within us and he gives us gifts. He gives us abilities. He is the one that strengthens us uh, to um, build the church through his gifts. And he strengthens us to disciple others and to share his love in whatever capacity and wherever our feet may um, stand to represent him to the world. So, so it's it's a it's a big mission. It is a big mission. Okay. But if we were to quantify uh, God's presence dwells. We're about maybe 75%. His presence dwells within us. It is always there, but are we always alert to how oh, totally. he's moving and shaping us? Yeah. I mean, it's, it is a big paradigm shift in this story though, because this is where, like you said, uh, I like to picture it this way. The temple presence of God has now been mobilized among his people all over the yeah. world. How cool is that? So like at one point so in time, radical. if you were a believer in Yahweh, the God of Israel, 
you would have a special pilgrimage to Israel, to Jerusalem, to um, to see the temple, to see the place where God chose to reside in a very particular special way during that time. But now in this age, through the Holy Spirit, through the presence of God, he, like you said, he, anywhere we go as Christians, whether we're aware of it or not, whether we represent that well or not, we are carrying the temple presence of God everywhere we go. It's so cool, has awesome implications that we don't even have time to fully go into. But yes, mm-hmm. definitely important, definitely really cool in the storyline of scripture. Yeah. it. It. I think if we were to really prayerfully consider what that means, I feel like we would feel the weight of just how big God is. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it's it's pretty radical to think about. So then we have this new creation that Brayden's mentioned multiple times. And some of your, you might've had question marks on like, what is he talking about? Uh, original creation, new creation. So this is the piece of the story. So we've traveled through the Old Testament to the New Testament. Now we're in Revelation and um, humans closeness to God's manifest presence is fully realized mm-hmm. in this moment. So Brayden, unpack, we have just a couple minutes, unpack yes. this for us. I'll be quick with this. And I'll, do you I'll like try how I put do... disclaimers? Because I know you could talk about this all day. So no, I'm totally. Like, oh, it could be an hour. <laughs> it can easily be an hour. But let me try to be succinct. And I'll, I'll leave you wanting more. And that's totally fine. Um, when it comes to new creation, we have to, first of all, make a distinction between heaven at the moment and new creation. If I were to die right now, um, since Jesus has not returned yet, I would go to, quote, unquote, heaven. I would go be Ooh. with God in his realm, his dimension, but that's not the end of the story. And that's really important for people to know because often when we talk about uh, the end goal of it, it's like, hey, believe in Jesus. You either go to heaven or hell. Okay, like, <laughs> Heaven is important, but it isn't the end of the story. Even God's storyline includes a new creation. So basically when Jesus returns, and this is so condensed, so follow me here, but when Jesus mm-hmm. returns, he will bring about and God will bring about the new creation. Everything will be renewed. There's a resurrection, not just for us and our bodies, but a resurrected universe will take place. And so judgment will take place in that regard. If you're in Christ, you get to participate in the benefits of that. If you're not, well, you don't get to. And so part of this new creation is the full realization of everything we've prophetically hoped for in terms of scripture and hoped for in ourselves. Uh, But even in original creation, it does not have have all of this reality. So God will be face to face with us. We will reign with him as his bride, as his people. And there will be endless adventures for us to partake of in this new creation. And sin will be no more. Death will be no more. And there'll be no possibility of that. So there's no way to ruin it either. That's such a beautiful, such a beautiful thing to think about. Yeah. Death and sin will be no more. So now now in the waiting, right? In the mm-hmm. waiting, in the wondering, um, Jesus is the solution to our separation from God. And he He gives us this abundant life, which really means a life in community with the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um this is where this is where we are now. And we are to live from this abundance, not not million dollar. I don't know, millions of dollars of abundance, but millions <laughs> of blessings of fo- follow, yeah. following who God is and, and what Christ has for us. So let it, let's it let see, what can our big call to action be for you guys with this episode? We know we threw a lot at you. Um, maybe just yeah. prayerfully consider how, how does seeing this whole journey from creation to new creation and how God is dwelling within you, how does it enlighten your understanding of the whole biblical story and 
secondly, prayerfully wonder and consider, are you distracted from the fairy temple presence of God within you? And if you are, um, pay attention while you do the dishes, pay attention while you do the mundane things of life, because God is awakening you to himself daily. And he wants to be in that loving relationship with you. And what a gift to, to have his presence leading and guiding and comforting us throughout this waiting process. Yeah. Can I add one more challenge to that? I mean, please do as the temple presence of God with the Holy spirit inside of us, uh, we get to mediate God's presence into the world everywhere we go. What a cool- Like, like those priests, like those like priests, priests did. Exactly. Yeah, come on. So that's what has happened. We become that everywhere we go. So whether you're the soccer mom or soccer dad going there, whether you're at that job or wherever you go, wherever you are, whoever you are, you have that awesome responsibility. So yeah, I think at the end of the day, Jenny, all that you and I have wanted to do with that type of truth is to awaken the wonder of that and let the Holy, let Holy Spirit- work that out in its in your life however that's going to look in your life yeah and if you guys are wanting more of this you can check out flashtheology.com our book flash theology that brayden and i co-wrote that's why he's here with us uh, comes out tomorrow so please be sure to pick it up help us support us we have more god truths like this yeah. god is dwelling there's so much more to unpack so, so be much. sure to get the book and uh, be a part of that But until next week, embrace the freedom to kick your shoulds and your excuses and your distractions out the door to spend time with God. See you next week. If you've been inspired to stop shitting yourself, head over to iTunes and write a review and just give us all the stars. If there's one thing you're going to should yourself with, you should subscribe to our show so you don't miss an episode. See you next time.